Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, uh, we got a good friend of mine, Bernard Jackson, uh, to talk about his uh, trials and tribulations as a student athlete. Uh, from Florida um, to the College of Charleston, um, things that you know happened in the city of Charleston that made him a better man today. Um, we talked about that those those audiences that that need to hear his story and um, not only prevent things but how to treat it, how to um, make things a lot better. Um, we all have you know trip ups and step ups. Um, all through life, but it's all about how you handle them and uh, how you come out at the end. So uh, big ups to uh, Bernard King Jackson for doing what he do. Uh, much love. Um, let's get into the interview. So, um, all right, so we're going to get started. Going to get started, big guy. Um, I appreciate you being on today. You know, we cover a lot of uh, podcasts. You're simply basically uh, uh, interviewing uh, former student athletes, uh, coaches, um, parents, um, and, and bringing that wealth and knowledge to the community. So, you know, being you being a former student athlete, love to talk to you about, um, you know, your, your, your career, how I got started, and, uh, you know, your whole um, uh, decision was and recruiting and whatnot. All right. All right. So, um, like anything else, um, once you, you give the audience a little feedback on, on, on where you're from, um, your, your city, and uh, you know, take us back to that, you know, frame that for us. Um, from a small town in uh, in South Florida, it's called Pahokee, um, and it's, um, it's on the bottom, the southern tip of Lake Okeechobee, which is uh, the largest. Uh, freshwater uh, body of water um, outside of the Great Lakes um, in the whole United States. Um, but so it's right down there in West, Western Palm Beach County. Um, you got a lot of football um, going on down there. Um, Lady Central, Pahokee High School, a lot of uh, NFL players coming out of there in the past uh, couple decades. So um, yeah, that's where I'm from. We're not really known for uh, to be a basketball town, but that's where I grew up. And fell in love with playing basketball as a child. So, what were what are some of the some of the programs like in the intermediate? You know, because everybody grew up on the park playing, and you know, had that support from either the community, the parents, you know, the uncle somewhere. You know, what were some of the programs that you know that you were in, and um, and you know, were 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 they effective? You know, into your into your development. Um, some of the. Like it started out, um, I, I really didn't, um, 
don't know. I kind of just fell into basketball. We didn't have a real big system down there because, like I said, most you know, it was mainly football players. But I started out, I think, around like fifth grade playing um, for the city league. You know, the city sponsored the league. You know, just um, you know, dudes from the from the city, just you know, coaching the team. There, a lot of guys really didn't know anything much, you know, about basketball strategy and different things like that. They were just being role models and you know, uh, you know, just people that was lending a hand and helping to teach the young guys, give them to, something to do. So, so that's like elementary school. After that, um, my high school actually was seventh grade all the way up to twelfth grade. And so you had a freshman team, um, Green Washington team, varsity team. So in seventh grade, I actually played um, on the freshman team for my high school. Right. I mean, I was on the team, didn't really play. Um, but that, I, mean, I, I was in love at that point in time, so I, I put it in that work from then on. Um, but so after that, um, I did play like AAU, but it was our AAU team pretty much consisted of our the best guys from our city league team, and they, you know, put us in AAU tournaments, and some of the same coaches from the city league were the guys that chaperoned us pretty much. It wasn't really structured, but we got a chance to compete with a lot of other. Um, Talent. We played a lot of good AAU uh, talent um, um, in South Florida, and um, it just it really made me know that I could compete. Even though like our strategy, we, we were just out there running and gunning pretty much. If we outran you, then we would beat you. But if you, know, if you had a coach that you know really knew how to coach and do strategy, I mean, you know, you could do a lot of our teams. But um, we just really got exposed to the competition, you know, growing right. up. Right, and. So what, you know, you say you played in seventh grade. So when did it start, you know, to hit home? Did you, first, did you have any, any, any rivalries, any people that you looked up to in the city that, you know what I mean, that just was, you know, a little bit older that just always, you know, you know, give you rent for your money and, and, and kind, of, kind of like push you during those times? Were there anybody? Well, I mean, it wasn't necessarily uh, any rivalries, anything like that. There were some older guys that, um, that I kind of looked up to, um, um, this guy, you know, that played football and basketball. He was probably like, you know, three or four years older than me. Um, you know, God bless his dad. He, you know, you know, being, being killed, uh, you know, before he even left high school. But this guy named was Morrell. Morrell played football and basketball. And then on the basketball court, it's like he was kind of like one of the guys that I looked up to. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I gravitated towards it and. When I saw that I wasn't so skilled, I'm one of the persons like when I'm not so good at a, at a thing, I, I would I would study it and learn it, you know. And so I got videos of a Pistol Pete um, and one of my coaches, uh, you know, Pete Karras, uh, Coach Floyd Henry, like one of my coaches that gave me you know things to do and like and I would do it exactly how they say. And so from the seventh grade, after the seventh grade was over, and then um, that summer I. On the court every day, all day. And so in eighth grade, I came back. My coach was like, uh, on the freshman team, he was like, Bernard, what did, I mean, what did you do? Did you like go to the camps? Or? Oh, just to work out on the court. So I, I got co MVP. Right. In seventh grade, getting, you know, very few minutes to eighth grade, um, you know, we just getting in there and checking and then, um, you know, seeing my skills develop and then being able to put it on the court, like ninth, you know, eighth grade. Still playing ninth grade, I mean, freshman basketball, getting the cold MVP. Um, I, I just knew that I wanted to play basketball, and that 
from their own. I just feel they're always, you know, working. working. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. When it was that that time when the spark, when it hit, when it kind of triggered. So you said it's running your seventh or eighth grade year when you really, you know, started to lock in and put in work. Um, you know, take us, take us to the point where the high school years then, like, what were some of the turnaround times where, you know, you, you, you started to develop coming to your own, you know, the averages starting, and then you started getting letters and looks. Take us back to how those, you know, how that, how that, how that started to happen. All right. So we, um, you know, like I played the city league ball. I mean, you always continue to play the city league ball until we started playing the AAU, AAU league ball. And that's around like eighth, ninth grade. Um, you know, after, you know, the season's over, we still playing the city league ball during the summer. And I think, I think around eighth or ninth grade, uh, maybe the, the summer of the eighth grade, I'm on the court again. Like when I'm, you know, I had a, a pretty good freshman season. And then, so now I'm trying to dunk, I'm trying to dunk. And I can't dunk the ball, I can't get to dunk the ball. I wanted to like ninth grade, I'm in 10th grade, I can't remember. So, um, but I finally do dunk during that summer. And then that following summer, uh, so I go to uh, this camp. And the camp, it really exposed me to some more talent. My mother paid for me to go to the camp. Um, I started getting some letters like um, Boston University, Ryder University, um, uh, Plenty P at uh, the schools in the in the northeast up there. Like uh, the camp was, um, uh, it was uh, the Big East uh, Invitational or something like that. Um, but it was up there in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. In New Jersey, I went there, and started getting letters, and that you know you start getting letters. Now you feel like oh, right. you know, we're taking notice. And so I just you know went all in. I ended up. Uh, uh, making the varsity team, starting um, as a tenth grader, and um, just from there, man, like my my game just started to come in. I started growing into my body, lifting weights, different things like that. Um, I mean, I was still pretty skinny, but you know what I'm saying. Like, For sure. I just started feeling more, feeling more confidence, more swagger on the on the court. You know, at that age. And and what type of support you know that did you have? Because you know, you know, talking to different you know guests. Um, there's always that lack of support, whether it's, you know, community, you know, uh, parents, peers, because um, we all need types of, we all need support. Either we got, you know, that's why a lot of, a lot of guests I know, you know, best friends and probably teammates because they go to work out together. They go do a lot of things together and they help, you know, motivate each other. Um, what was some of your support? You know, what, what, what motivates you to, to work every day? Because you can't just get up every day and just go work. That, it's not humane. It's got to be something that's, that's triggering to make that happen. I'm actually glad that you um, that you asked that question because um, I think you know. Shout out to a lot of the, the guys that grow up in um, in environments to where it's not very like community, like you know, in, in bigger cities and stuff. You got guys that kind of spread out and maybe you know they're not. Then they go to school, you know, in a community that's not their own and different things like that. I was fortunate to you know grow up in a small town where it's like. The town pretty much supported us in, in, in everything we do from from little league baseball to football, league football, basketball, like because it's it's almost like the entertainment for the town. It's, it's something for them to come to do, come to watch, and everybody knows it, you know, everybody. And so when you have uh, you know, a team filled up filled up with those players from that small community, they would travel with us because it's something for them to do. They would travel, everybody would get the hotels. So we had a lot of support, and not only that. You know, my mother, 
I mean, like, I, it's, it's rare that I can remember games that she missed, even though she worked a lot, sometimes having two jobs, three jobs, sometimes literally. Um, she she made a lot of the games, man. I will always hear, hear her in the crowd cheering me on. So that's that's definitely a big thing, the support that, you know, the children have, um, you know, whether it's uh, from the community or directly from their, their parents or, you know. Right. For sure. And, you know, let's say, you know, your senior year, you started, you know, putting numbers, like you say, you started getting letters early. <clears throat> now it's time to make a decision on, you know, what college you go to. And again, you know, talking to most guests, everybody make decisions based on comfortability. You know what I mean? Why well, I knew this coach that was there or I didn't want to leave home. Um, it's very rare to get a decision based on, you know, making sure this is the right offense for me, making sure the position I'm in, you know, the school I'm going to that, that, that play as a senior, um, the, 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 the weather in that area, what I'm studying, like all those things got to be in consideration, you know, what were your recruiting wars and um and how'd you end up to the college of charleston and why um i mean i kind of kind of had a, a you know roundabout kind of route to you know end up at college of charleston I, I didn't have the traditional route uh, because i like at the end of i think my sophomore year I had a really good year and i then i went to those camps um during the summer after my sophomore year started receiving now, um, I started receiving University of South Carolina, like SEC schools, ACC schools, um, um, not the Dukes or, you know, anything like that, but just, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, schools that are in the bigger, uh, you know, brackets of competition. And this time our message, we got Jim Yarborough. Coach Crest came from, you know, it was kind of a tough-minded school. And I think the thing that defined Charleston at that time, and you were very much a part of it, and that identity, and the thing he loved about you, for sure, was your toughness and your resiliency. Nothing bothered you, and you would come right back. And I think we had a number of guys who could, could handle that. And, and we had tough practices, and we pushed hard. But I, again, I think at least collectively, our staff and um, coach, we, I think everybody knew we, we cared, but I, that relationship with players so that they can be pushed to the brink or they do understand what we're doing and why, it's, it's everything. It's not the, it, the X's and O's are important, organizations sure, are important. Sure. You hear me talk, but I'm glad you brought it up. I've kind of always delved into I'll be I'll be so good in X's and O's my players will know I know what I'm doing and they'll care and that's and I thought I would help that would make them confident and it did to a little bit but it's you better make sure you have that personal connection to close it out or there'll be a little gap and it doesn't take much to fill that gap with negativity and then you're in a bad place. Now let's get back to the interview. So, um, I had a really good junior year, but I injured my ACL during the summer after my junior year playing on outdoor courts. Wow. wow. And um, so, uh, about five months, um, you know, went hard after the surgery, got the surgery, um, you know, in, during the, right after the school uh, year, after the season ended. Um, and, well, no, I got the surgery immediately because that happened during the summer. So, 
Um, there was like a five month span between the surgery and the beginning of the senior season. And the, the, uh, the doctors cleared me to play. And I was playing, back um, dunking, my leg was bigger than it was even before I got hurt, confident in it. Um, and I was always tested, you know, and, and um, you know, stop hard to see if I would feel it and do different things like that. And I was okay. A couple of weeks, um, well, we got a couple of weeks of preseason practice. Um, the first week, um, I did okay. And then a few days or so into it, um, I tweaked the knee. Went back to the, the physical therapist and the doctor thought I was you know, still good. They checked the knee, it was fine. Uh, we played our first uh, tournament, um, you know, starting uh, my senior season. And um, I had a great game, the first game, second game, moved me out. Mm. <clears throat> oh, so your season was over. So for me, it's still not over. I had great grades. Um, I was still getting offers for like, you know, eight, eight, um, sorry, division two schools. Um, but I mean, I feel like I was division one, you know, high level division one player, even though I'm from a small town, not really, you know, no, I just, every time I compete with somebody, I feel like I was one of the best. So I wanted to compete at a higher level, at least division one. So. My, my plan was to go to Florida State, um, University of Florida, or Miami. Miami was my first choice. Um, just being a Florida, Florida boy and, you know, being a fan, that's where I wanted to go. And obviously, they were the um, biggest team um, and, you know, in a high, high uh, league. So I ended up, Florida State accepted me first. Florida and Miami was taking forever. It was getting too late. Um, you know, from choosing housing and all that stuff. And so I decided I was going to go to Florida State. Most of my friends were there anyway, either family or Florida State. So that's how I chose Florida State. My plan was that I was going to walk on and make the team that way. Right. It didn't work out that way, though. So what happened was, <laughs> um, which I know you, you had a question to say, but. No, 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 listen. So, so what happened was, um, so I was in the gym working. So my the doctors decided they were going to make me wait um, a full seven months this time and not let me come back any time before that. So the tryouts for Florida State um, took place a couple weeks prior to them clearing me to play. I went and talked to um, the coach, which was uh, uh, man. It was when I came to college at Charleston. The coach at Charleston Southern was one of the assistants at Florida State. Mm. And He's the guy that I, I spoke with, and he was like, he blew me off, basically. Mm. Blew me off, told me to come back next year. And I was like, no, I'm, I'll be good. It's just two weeks later, I'll just come back next year. Didn't know anything about me. I didn't have a senior season. I was really, you know. So I go play pickup ball down the street at um, Tallahassee Community College just, just to change the scenery because I had been crushing the dudes in Florida State, you know, rec, you know, center and everything. I got to go just to try to, you know, play somewhere different. One of my friends, you know, who was going to TCC, you know, asked me to come down there. So I do. So on the student side, <laughs> the guys were like, man, why don't you go over there and play with the real players? <laughs> so I'm crushing them over there. So I was like, I didn't know I could do that because they had like a double gym. Like right. students on one side, you know, the other side is, you know, for the uh, student athletes, you know. So I go over there and the coach is sitting back and these guys are running games. 
And so I'm staying around for a while and finally someone was like, yeah, just, just ask me, he'll put you in. I go up to the coach. And so after waiting around, waiting around for a while, he puts me in the game. I play one game. He says, hey, um, what's your name? Where, where are you from? Answer me all my, my credentials or whatever. And offered me a scholarship. Wow. Like after a pickup game. So wow. ended up at Tallahassee Community College. Um, and um, yeah. Uh, after that, I played. I played the season, and um, my my high school coach called uh, the staff at the College of Charleston because he was aware of them. I wasn't aware of the College of Charleston. Gotcha. Uh, my high school coach called them, and he thought that I would be a good fit. You know, the size of the school, you know, with my skill set, and you know, my size, um, not being like a six seven or six nine, or, you know, that's sort right. of playing primarily post position. He thought I would be a good fit, and. Um, so he called them. They, they said they were they were going to be at the state tournament, and they came to the you know tournament. They saw me. We got knocked out the first round. And they came to the College of Charleston. I mean, came to the uh, TCC, you know, and they basically offered me a scholarship. Wow. But I, I wanted to do the whole um, college tour and see what my options right. were. Which they didn't have any really big options. Right. They, they, I mean, I didn't know it, but they were in the you know in the, in the heading to be my choice. You know, anyway, but I wanted to go. I said, man, I'm going to take, this is all the guys on our team. We're like, we're going to take all our five visits. We're going to hey, eat all the food. Hey, we're going to do all this. Hey, bro, after those first three visits, bro, I ain't want no more. Right. I, I, I did call to Charleston first. So after that, I did Louisiana. No, I did Eastern Kentucky. And I did Louisiana Lafayette. But bro, man, after all the, the crawfish and, and, you know, all these good, you know, country meals they stuffing you with when you go. I mean, even here at the College of Charleston, man, it's like no more food. And so, right. so after the third visit, he's ready to make it. I went ahead and just let the College of Charleston know that's where I want to go and let everybody else know I'm done with the visit, man. Let's wait out. And I think, fun, I think it was a, a great decision you made. Yeah, man. The one question I want to ask you is that, and you experience being a student athlete, you know, and, you know, we all desire having a dream coming up, you know, was it everything that, you know, that you, you thought it would be. And, and I asked that because not because of playing time, but, you know, including the, 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 the experience in your response. Um, do you think um, you as a student athlete um, got anything you, you, you wanted to get out of, out of, out of that situation? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I got a hundred percent, you know, everything that I wanted out of the situation. Um, I'm, I'm a strong believer in, you know, using your mental to, to project what it is that you want out of life. And, um, and I'm, I mean, I even, you know, as a, as a seventh grader in a technology camp, um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about the knee injuries. I actually, you know, my whole thing was with my family was that, like, I was, uh, I think one of the first, you know, in my in my family to graduate college on, you know, on my mother's side, um, and so the whole thing was for me it was important that I mean I felt like I was really good and I thought I was you know could go to the NBA and the whole deal or wanted to go to the NBA, but my whole thing was you know you see a lot of, saw a lot of those guys leave high school or leave college early. My whole thing was like I was going to make sure I got my education so that if I you know, didn't make it or something happened, 
I would fall back on it. So like in the seventh grade, this was my mentality. Nice. So at this technology camp, we had to do an educational, um, you know, a video. And in the video, I portrayed a student athlete that injured his knee, mm. you know, but the whole point was that he had good, good grades and he could fall back on his, his, you know, so that was the whole message in that thing. So fast forward, I had that happens to me mm. and falling back on my grades, I still was able to go to school, you know, because of my academics and I still was able to play basketball because I had, I, I gave myself a shot because if I, if I injured my knee and my grades were screwed up, I had screwed around, mm. I injured my knee close to my senior year. Mm. And I didn't get a chance to have my senior year. So what if my grades were messed up or whatever? And I had to deal with that as an obstacle too. I didn't have to deal with that. I went to school and I just worked out while everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like I just worked out and worked on my game. And the next year I made a team. And the next year after that, I made the College of Charleston. So my, my goal was to play Division One, you know, basketball. It was to get a college degree. I got two college degrees. I played for two Division, well, I played for two college basketball teams. And so, yeah, man, I got everything I expected out of it. You know, I just wish I would have actually had a little bit more of a, a focus and aim. And instead of just saying that, you know, hoping I go to the NBA and, 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 and putting that whole fall back on the knee injury thing, maybe sure. I shouldn't have had any of those thoughts in my head, man. For sure. And, and we, you know, we, we live and we, we live and we learn. <clears throat> but, you know, talk about, you know, you coming from Florida um, and coming to Charleston, and, you know, a lot of athletes don't understand, student athletes don't understand, you know, they want to play at the next level, play at these colleges, but it's just as hard work being a student away from home, being responsible, the schedule you got to do with your, your team schedule and your, 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 your school schedule. Uh, talk about the transition in that and how it was a, you know, how, how it affected, you know, your life per se, because, you know, I, I think being a student athlete and, and, and going through the regimen, being on time and having to develop relationships, it also, you know, kind of morphs you into the afterlife and how to you know, have relationships and how to do, you know, be effective in your careers. You know, what was that that transition from Florida to Charleston and how it was effective for you? Um, I think it's, uh, for me, it, it helped me to be more organized with my time because I, like I, being the older brother, the oldest of you know all my siblings, um, like I, I always had to be responsible um, and, and do things and make sure I, I took care of things that, you know you know that needed to be taken care of. But you know coming to the College of Charleston and also at you know before the College of Charleston at Tallahassee Community College, when you're a student athlete, you know one thing you're gonna get you're gonna get structure. You know you're an asset to the, the school. You reflect the school. Um, so they're going to, you know, make sure you're structured. They're going to make sure you're taking care of, you know, certain things you're going to have to do that are like precautionary or, or, or like, you know, in your best interest. Like for me, I kind of had to adjust to them, like wanting to um, make sure, you know, the classes that I was in were it's like, I got this. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, is that, that sort of thing, you know, but I, you know, I realized that, you know, for the most part, you know, it was a good thing that I had that structure and, you know, get up early in the morning those sort of things you had to do it like you know all the time so it definitely does prepare you for you know when you're trying to go into um you know a career where you know where you're required to do that and that sort of thing because you know most of my children right now like 
they had the option to sleep in or to get up early, they, they all going to sleep. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, being a student athlete really is a, a benefit to uh, a young person in, in developing you, and it definitely helped me to actually, just be 45 now, even now, I still get up, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning. You know? For sure. Hey, what's up, guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area, or maybe leaving at the Charleston area, and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcasts, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction and check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. And then, you know, after the college, you know, and you graduated, you know, I, I knew you were, you know, also um, working um, over at the car dealership. Um, what were, you know, <clears throat> we talk about those transferable skills and you were effective in doing what you do over there. Did, did you see yourself using some of those skill sets you learned from being a student athlete and, and applying them to, you know, uh, uh, when you were doing over at the at the uh, at the dealership, because you got to you got to think, you know, when you when you see that player, you know, you analyzing that player. Is he left hand? Is he right hand? You know, is he a shooter? Is he a driver? You know, is he is he weak? Is he strong? When that person is walking up to buy that car, <laughs> you got to be looking. Is this person got money? Is he coming here to, to play around? Like you got to be able to read, and you know what I'm saying. So, what were some of the things you learned from being a student athlete in order to be effective in, in that type of career? I guess um, I mean because car sales is, is a pressure. It's a pressure sport, you know. Like I mean, it's time involved. I mean, you can really, you know, use basketball. I use basketball in my life as an analogy a whole lot, you know. In cooking, because I like to cook, you know, I got the power seven recipe, you know, a method for everybody, you know. Um, but as far as you know, talking about car sales, it's like you you have to let the game come to you sometimes. You know, and if you if you rush it, sometimes you can blow the sale. Meaning, if you try to push a customer or just don't allow them time to make you know the time or just to think on the decision, you've already helped them decide what's you know what's the most important for them and showing them that you know the the product that they're looking at is right for them, but they might not be ready for triggers. So sometimes you got you got just let the can. You know how like when you got a star offense, you know. Sure. And if you're sitting back in the zone waiting and they just standing out there running the clock down. For sure. For sure. And you and you down. For sure. Down. So the clock's ticking. But sometimes you still just gotta be patient. Just let them just cause if you run out there and try to steal the ball or do something now, you gotta foul and you stop the clock. But yeah, now you gotta foul. They got two shots or you know what I'm saying? So it's like for sure. For sure. They taught me the patience and, and um just really it also brought the aspect of relationships. You know, being able to uh, deal with and relate to a whole lot of diverse people. Coming to College Charleston was one of the things that really 
gave me that coming from a small southern town where it's uh, less than 5,000 people, majority, um, you know, black people. And so it's, it, I didn't have, I mean, there were, you know, other, you know, you know Hispanics and, and white people in my town as well. And I was friends with uh, all of them pretty much. Everybody knows everybody. Very, very cool, you know, uh, just serene, just a, a paradise type of a town, even though we had our, our issues. But anyway, um, coming to College of Charleston, now I'm I'm mixing with and, and meeting with all type of people, even my professors, um, and that sort of thing. And it would just, you know, it helped translate over into the business world in regard to selling cars. For sure. <clears throat> so, you know, sunshine is 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 beautiful, right? But if you have sunshine every day, all day, rest of your life, like you get tired of that. You gotta you gotta appreciate the sun the sunshine from the the, the, the turbulence in life, you yeah. know, and you know, before we get into the sunshine, before we get into to the Bernard right now, let's touch base on on some of the turbulence in life. You know what I mean that you've that you've encountered, um, and I'll let you open up and, and talk about them. But you had a situation where, like you said, you're in the zone, the time is clicking, and you had to sit for a while and watch and watch time click. Um, talk about that those that the instant how it changed you, and um, <clears throat> we'll get into. You know the the the, the sunshine of, of the turbulence. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you know you're speaking about my recent um, uh, uh, run-ins per se. Uh, run-ins, or let's I mean let's call it what it is. I'm definitely not trying to uh, to downplay any bit of it because I mean, like what I got out of that is that um, the the sunshine and the rain is necessary, and so. So, so you know, for the audience, uh, anyone listening, um, I recently spent like uh, 14 months uh, in prison for uh, disagreeing with uh, the law. Um, you know, it was a speeding ticket that, that should have ended in just me paying the ticket, but uh, I took it all the way there. Um, I took it, <laughs> you know, to the max in regard to my belief that I had a right to do, you know, what you know what I was being charged with, um, and so. Anyway, uh, I went to court. I lost in court. Um, it, was, it was a very, you know, dramatic, you know, back and forth thing. I took over four years for the, you know, finally make it to trial and, you know, another trial. Um, but in the middle of that, you know, it was just some some other other stuff. I ended up losing my house. Um, but it's like, you know, in, in, in plane rides, you know, you might have turbulence, and a lot of people might be traumatized. You know, if they ever take a plane ride their first time. And they have one turbulence, they never ride a plane again. But it's like such a small part, you know, of the experience, you know, of the, of the entire flight, you know. So you can you know all the nice things you were able to see. It's, it's beautiful looking at water from a from a window of a plane, you know. It's all blue and the different colors that you see a fish, big shark or something, you know, down there. So to me, it, you know, especially like another thing uh, which we haven't gotten into, you know, the Bitcoin. Um, I love Bitcoin and that sort of thing. It's like well, I wanted. Well, I wanted to just touch base. You know what I mean? Because I think, you know, people that that know you and hear the story, you know, you know, I, I think explaining that <clears throat> and being transparent about that, you know, it brings closure, right? And also, it also teaches people, like you said, the necessary turbulence that needed in life. Yeah, those things happen. And it's all about how you react to them and how you know you you. You, you turn out. Some people get turbulence 
your situation in your life, like you said, and never go in the airplane again. Well, I think that's a scary way and a coward way to approach life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to be able to, you know, accept whatever comes, be able to deal with it, wipe yourself off and keep going. And um, yes, you did mention, you know, your your um your your new, not not new, but it's new to everybody else. You've been doing it for a couple of years now, but I want you to tell, tell the audience, you know, about <clears throat> your your interest in Bitcoin, what you what you've been doing it, for, how you've been doing it for the last, you know, not how you've been doing, it, but what you've been doing with it for the last couple of years, and how that's you know kind of changed and morphed in, you know, in, into your new your new focus right now. <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, first what I want to mention is um like you know, I became like I, I really didn't answer that last situation. I'm gonna go ahead and really, I became more accountable to myself, you know, in my actions, you know, and anything that happens to me, you know, from being able to sit back after all that happens or whatever, there's nobody to blame, you know, not the judge, not any of the officers, like everybody that were in place, everybody that did, you know, uh, you know what they were supposed to do, they did exactly that what they were supposed to do. You know, I was the one who wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, which was you know, uh, accepting things for what they they are and making, you know, the best decisions that that didn't harm me, myself, my family, or anybody else in the situation. You know, and so that, that was a tumultuous time, you know, 2015, you know, different things like that. That frightened a whole lot of people. And I realized after the fact that that's really what it was. My friends and my family, they were just afraid and that they wasn't, they wasn't, you know, used to this type of, uh, no behavior from me so. and, and and this and let's get into that right quick since you she brought that up because I'm pretty sure your family friends they're going to hear this right and and what do you have to say because I know you know <clears throat> like anything else it's, it's human you know I had a couple of runs not a couple of runs but I had a running situation you know a, as well and your family tend to tend to shy away in times because they don't really know you know what's going on or you know they don't really understand, but that's not the time to be second guessing the situation or your, your, your kid, your, your uncle, your brother, that's the time to really bring that support. Um, so, you know, what do you want to say to, 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 to your family or friends that kind of, you know, didn't really understand you start looking at you sideways, but just to really understand the situation. And, and, and at that time you probably didn't have a, a platform or a way to express and explain yourself. You know what I mean? In hindsight, looking at it now, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want to, you know, kind of clear up or kind of really, you know, say from the heart? Well, I mean, um, you know, there, 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 there are some people that distance themselves and that sort of thing. And I just want to say to to everybody that, you know, whatever your reaction was, you know, um, I appreciate it. And, and and if you were, if you distance yourself. Um, I understand that because you, people like to be comfortable. They like things that they're comfortable with. At the end of the day, you have to make sure you protect yourself. And, and I don't blame anybody for making sure they, they remain safe. Even even family members, like, you know, really close family members, like when you're not used to a certain behavior, you know, that sort of thing. So there's nobody to blame, man. And like everybody, I just want to say, I'm I'm here. I love everybody. I'm, my arms are open to everybody. I'm not not answering anybody's phone calls, my number is still the same, everything. So, and I've, I've, I've even been reaching out to, you know, people and, um, you know, we're back to normal. I mean, I mean you, you and I go back how long and it's like we never missed a beat, you know? So it's, um, you know, for those people who just 
um, haven't heard from me since then. I think all they need to do is hear my voice and they'll, they'll know that, oh man, he's back. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, I just, I never, I never went anywhere. I just, I don't know. And, and the thing where you said, you know, <clears throat> about, you know, never missing the beat, you know, like I said, I, it's a very few people I call my friend, you know what I mean? And I don't, you know, use that term, you know, uh, loosely, but what I recognize and what I respect and I understand is very, very intelligent people. You know what I mean? People yeah. that get it, people that understand it, that you don't have to, you know, uh, like, I mean, just go around the circle to get them to get understanding. Like you and I talk, we, we talk about something, uh, essentially we get at each other. It's like, you know, but, <clears throat> and that's what I respect. That's what I, I surround myself around with like-minded people. So any situation that happened outside of that, you know, you know, I never be the one to, to judge, never will judge, because I understand, you know, the, the core, you know what I'm saying, I understand the core of, of people. And then when you call people your friend, no matter how and what happened, you still got to be, be there to support and never which way you can, you know what I mean? So that's my stance with you, with you, my friends and, you know, anything else. But like, I wanted to give you the opportunity just to, you know, to, to talk to those folks and make them understand, like you said, it ain't a you back to the wish because you never you never went anywhere. You know what I'm saying? The media, the newspaper, you know, people can you say all kinds of things because they got that's the power of the pen. They control perception yeah. of everything, <clears throat> right? And if you know we as human can be can be you know can be guilty of not, you know, when we hear something or read something, not reaching out and getting that full understanding and trusting what that person say, that's what you call you know a friend and understanding. So no, I just want to give you that. That 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 um that airway to to kind of you know express yourself on that. In this timeout message, we got Rashad Austin. Man, this must be a party school for real. And these guys don't know how to turn it on and off. Right. You know what I'm saying? These guys right. don't know how to do. So I decided not to go there. I got a, I had a scholarship offer to go to that school. You know what I'm saying? And that school. You know, so it was a bigger school than Newberry. You know what I mean? And, and I decided not to go there for that reason. You know, and, and it's things like that you got to take into account. It's like, cause you gonna be around those dudes all the time. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta you gotta realize what kind of what kind of dudes you gonna be around. Who who are your peers? You know what I'm saying? And 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 make make those make those decisions based on okay, who's gonna be in front of me? You know what I'm saying? Do I? How long is he gonna be in front of me? Right. You know what I'm saying? Or do I think I'm I'm, I'm good enough to go take that guy's spot? Now let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I mean, it just, um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I can only say it, it made me stronger. Like, you know, like unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand and it's, it's not for everybody to understand. Sure. But anybody can have a conversation with me about what happened with me or whatever, and they will be amazed at the things that I say. And, and not only that, not only that, it'd be amazed to that how 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 well how well um, versed you are in the law. Hmm. You you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. something that people don't understand. Like you're you're well versed, well well versed in the law, and that and that's come from the the, the experience. <clears throat> but I don't yeah. want to um, touch too much on that. Let's talk about the sunshine now. Let's talk about things that yeah. the Bernard that's that's moving forward. Um, and, and, and one thing that people don't understand, everybody's getting into 
is the the, the cryptocurrency, <clears throat> bro. Can you just explain? Because I think people don't understand what's the an, what's the purpose of cryptocurrency, the use of it, and um and 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 how how do you obtain it? Can you give people just a little bit education on that? Because one, I, I, and I'll, I'll spot you, is that what I, I heard crypto cryptocurrency was made to be the um, <clears throat> media between the, the the inflation and how the dollar dropping. Um, just go into that a little bit and and, and, and give us a wealth of knowledge on, on your on your views on that. Uh, um, I think you know what you know what you just said. Like it, it is true. You know, as far as a, a mediator between the inflation and dollar dropping. But like, what does that mean to like you know most people? Right. <laughs> most even me like. You know, a year ago, it's like inflation. You talking to me about inflation and how it works and how it affects? I didn't know anything about that, even though I've been familiar with Bitcoin since maybe 2011, you know, early 2012. And then, you know, I got into trying to do business with Bitcoin. I started a company in 2017, um, and at the height of what was called the bull run. So, to answer your question, um, <coughs> cryptocurrency. Um, Bitcoin is the number one uh, of the first cryptocurrency um, and cryptocurrency is just a dollar in digital forms. It's like the Matrix dollar. You know, like if, if, if you've seen the movie The Matrix and they got the zeros and ones on the screen, it's like that's your money inside the computer. It looks like zeros and ones. I mean, it's just a digitized form of uh, money. Gotcha. So, the reason why it's important is because there are a lot of things you have to do with, you know, um, actual physical dollars in, re in regard to making making sure it's safe. People want to steal it; that it could burn up. You have, you know, protect it. You have to carry it in these large armored trucks or whatever. You spend a lot of fuel carrying it with those trucks. You spend a lot of time, even with um, credit card companies that are that are doing business on a base. In these cryptocurrencies, I mean, in these uh, in, in in dollars, let's just say um, fiat currency or paper money. All right, cryptocurrency, you don't have to transport it in trucks. You don't have to have uh, bank tellers or people like that in the banks for people to deposit in different things like that. It's all digitized or whatever. There's a lot of um, uh, benefits to it um, as far as uh, you can make transactions quicker. The transactions can clear quicker, like. You know, like when you used to make a purchase and it'll be pending for mm. three, four, five days or something like that. Whereas now, you know, some of the, the cryptocurrencies are, are under a minute's time. I don't I don't know how fast they're getting now, but you know, Bitcoin is like 10, 10 minutes mm. for transaction to be cleared, you know. And so it's like it's quicker, it's um it's it's efficient a lot more ways. And so it's right now. Is a time for people to get in if they want to actually, like like the gold rush. You remember when the like I don't know if you ever heard of mining um, cryptocurrency. Yep, it's, it's like the same thing. Gold became used as money. Gold was used as money. And you had to mine it. I mean, you had to dig, you know, in the ground and get it. And then when you got it, now you can put it into a form, you know, where you're using it to pay and buy things or whatever. Or it's worth something. If you hold on to it over time, it go up in value. That's the same thing with cryptocurrency. Mining is only digital now. It's the same thing like you know mining, you know gold. The mining is done with computers. So 
What do you can you can you go a little bit more with the mining and the computers so people got so audience understand? Okay, so what what mining involves is is the computers have to um, have to figure out an equation, an algorithm, um, and so it takes a lot of computing power to do this. And so a lot of different miners or different computers, um, which have been set up by people, a lot of different um, uh, miners are trying to figure out this algorithm for what's called a block, um, which is you gonna hear a lot of, a lot of words block blockchain. But anyway, so the, when the miners figure out the, the algorithm, then a block is created and whoever creates the block first gets awarded a certain amount of free mm. money mm. or currency, cryptocurrency. And so eventually, you know, over time that, that cryptocurrency, because of people's use of it and supply and demand, it goes up in value or it can fade out and you know, die because nobody uses it, nobody finds any finds any use for it, and so it dies. So right now, there's a bit, you know, kind of work going on with Bitcoin, a lot of other altcoins or alternative coins like Ethereum, um, Dogecoin. Those are some of the ones that people might uh, have heard of. Um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin. There's a lot. Cardano. Um, but these coins are are fighting for your um, it's fine for you to use them to pay for things, for sure. um, to do transactions. Um, and the more we use them, the more their value goes up. It's, it's like supply and demand of anything else. You got a certain uh, amount of, of grain for sale. Um, when people are buying a lot of the grain, then the price goes up because the supply is going down. When you have very little things and a lot of people want it, the price goes up. Um, so it's the same thing with Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies. They're a, they're a nice investment right now, but it's pretty risky because it's new. It's less than 20 years old, less than what, about 15 years old or so. Uh, and people just don't understand it. They don't know what it's going to do. And so right now it's, it's a risk. It went from in the last two years, a price of below $5,000 to almost $65,000. And so now it's back down in the $30,000 price range. And so you can see there's a lot of volatility, a lot of up and down in the pricing. And people just don't know what it's worth. Right. Because they knew what it worth with the price change so drastically, they don't know right now. So when the price gets high enough, somebody who's had it since it was 30000 when it gets to sixty, they say, oh, I don't think it's going to go in higher. And they sell because they don't understand. But I believe, and many of us who've been studying it, we believe the price is going to be eventually a million dollars, maybe even ten million dollars in the next ten to fifteen years. <clears throat> and so that's why I'm in order, in order you be effective on that, you have to, you know, when you're talking about investing versus trading, you know, ex explain them, you know, audience, what you do. Let's say on a on a on a, <clears throat> not a daily basis, but why you're, you know, as a as a day trader, you have to be in tune. You gotta you gotta know how to read. <laughs> Like lines, you got to know. Just, I mean, just explain that. You know, which, what you, what you do on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, you know. Um, so what I've been doing is, like, I think cryptocurrencies um, can really help communities, can help families build wealth, um, especially right now. But in the long run, um, you know, people can build um, infrastructures. Like, let's let's talk about you know the the trillions of dollars uh, uh, that. 
the, the black community spends um, every year. Let's say someone um, created a way that made them easy to spend that, that, you know, inside their own community, spend their dollars and they could track it, you know, because they actually are spending the actual, you know, coin that was created for that purpose. You know, this is a way that, you know, you can leverage your own wealth to help build your own community. I mean, other, other communities are doing it. I mean, that's just one way. There's so many, you know, uses for the, for the technology that, that cryptocurrency is, is uh, based on, you know, which is the blockchain technology. I mean, you can use it for uh, many things in all, a lot of different fields, not just as, you know, for, for um, basically what the currency does and the blockchain does is it, it logs transaction. It keeps a, a record of transaction that's public. You know, so, you know, records of different things, you know, being public, then, you know, it's just, you have to use your imagination to figure out what that can be used for. And a lot of people have found a lot of innovative ways to use it. So, awesome. That's I mean, cool. I don't know. If no, you answered, you answered my question. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, where do you see Bernard in uh, five to 10 years? <clears throat> Well, my ten-year, my ten-year goal, um, which I don't think I ever really would, would retire, which a lot of people, you know, might not be able to see it, you know, because I mean, less than less than three or four years ago, like I, I, I was almost homeless. Like I really, like I was staying in hotels for a couple of days until, you know, one of, one of my our good friends, um, Q, actually, um, our college uh, buddy, and Q was still friends um, to this day. I was at his wedding; he was at mine. Um, and in fact, I just saw him recently, but, um, he let me, uh, live with him for a few days, I mean, for about a month or whatever, until I got to put my own place back and back on my feet again. Those ups and downs we was talking about. Um, but that was just a few years ago, but in 10 years, I see myself, you know, really retiring from the businesses that I've created because we got a lot of stuff coming. Um, and I've always been a guy, like I said, I see something and I sit back and I study. I've been aware of Bitcoin for a while. And this is my, I would say my second um, four year cycle that I'm actually being a part of. The first one I called in at, you know, at the tail end, wasn't aware and I lost. Hmm. This one, I made some money early on, didn't aware, wasn't aware and I sold early. I had a great position and I sold early. So it's still super early for me to just get my knowledge up and prepare for next time. So I'm just building my wealth I can prepare for next time in 10 years. I have several businesses in the health and wellness field um, um, inside of um, the, uh, so health and wellness, that would be like the alternative eating field uh, and, and personal fitness. I'm working on some things. Um, I'm, I'm actually working on a cryptocurrency. Uh, you might've been able to kind of allude to that from the conversation. I, I really don't want to give too much away, but I challenge somebody else to take the idea and do it before me. I'm, I'm not going to feel upset because, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's going to benefit, benefit the community. And in, in 10 years, that's exactly where I'll be. I'll be in the midst of whatever community where I'm, I'm living or several communities, um, you know, being uh, one of the elders, teaching, um, you know, farming, how to take care of, of you know, uh, different things, building things. I'm trying to, you know, mean to do more. And stuff, build stuff. So, for sure. 10 years now, I want to say, you know, that I'll be retired from business per se, but I mean, I, I don't think I ever quit working. For sure.
He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In closing, man, we created something called the Oatmeal Recipe, you know, which is uh, <clears throat> skill development, education, and nutrition. And, you know, no matter, you know, what, um, what career you're in, what sport you're in, those three ingredients, you know, got to be applied. Um, so I want to shoot, you know, the first one at you and talk about skill development. And I want to hear, you know, how important um, a skill development to you and how do you uh, apply it to your everyday life? Um, skill development definitely is, um, it's, it's the number one, it's the most important thing. I mean, it's hard to say the most important, but it's definitely, if you had to pick the top, you know, most important things, it's definitely up there. Like initially growing, you know, growing up, I was, I was clumsy, I had big feet, big legs, the kids used to make fingers in front of me because my legs kind of just went straight down. I still had big legs, but, it took a moment for me to grow into my, my body and like develop athletically. So in that meantime, like I didn't start, I didn't, I really didn't get any play time in seventh grade when I was on the freshman team. You know, and, and so I, I hadn't physically grown into it act, actually in the eighth grade, even though I, I was the MVP, but it was because, man, if my coach said, plant this leg here and then you drop and you spin and pivot, I did it exactly the same way he did. Whenever I would be in practice and I would see my teammates not do it, like I would get annoyed because it's like he said, do it exactly like this. And the coach, he wouldn't correct them a lot of times, right. but he would correct me. Right. Because, I mean, I, you know, talking to him years later, he was like, I mean, he saw that, you know, there was potential in me. That, so it's like, I'm not going to waste my time on them that I don't think I'm going to invest in that. But, <laughs> So, but, but because he did that to me, it made me always, you know, cross my eyes, you know, they got my eyes and cross my teeth in regards to, you know, what the coach said and regard to technique and that sort of thing. So skill can get you very far, even if your physical ability or talent, you know, isn't up to par at the time. Or our has been, look at Jordan, you know, coming back as an old man, you know, or, a lot of time when the older guys come back, they still are able to do what they do just because they know how to get you out of the way with that elbow or, you know, do a little trip to the trade, you know, based on skill alone, you know? For sure, for sure. Still is highly My next one, education. You know what I'm saying? Just to, to, know, to know your craft from a, from a book standpoint, you know what I mean? Um, and we talk about education when in books, you know, when it comes to sports, but, you know, there's some off-court education that you need to, inquire as well. What's your what's your um, take on education? How do you apply it? Well, I, well, I guess I'll take it to um, another level. 
you definitely need to do what's required and excel at what's necessary in the field that you you're gonna you want to be in that you that you decide to endeavor in whether it be sports or whether it be you know your professional career um you know in the in the business you definitely gonna you know need to do your best and excel in that but you're also gonna need to find out the things that are interested you know that you're interested in and educate yourself on those things you know and so that way you know you don't just round yourself out by taking the humanities courses in college and thinking it's it now what else are you interested in and don't just like say oh i think i like that but you don't know you know take something apart you know go read a book about something you know definitely you know self-educate and the reason why is it's like my favorite model now it's necessary for your success it's necessary for your success your your pain your injuries all your troubles all your ups and downs is necessary for yourself your success Self-education, self, uh, definitely, is necessary for your success. <clears throat> and last one is nutrition. You know, and I know you're, you're, you're a good cook. I love to cook, too. Um, but, you know, talking about not only the food for thought, but I see athletes all the time putting a lot of bad things in their body, pre-game, post-game, <clears throat> during the game. What's your take on, on nutrition and how, how, how important it is to you? I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's always been um, a very important thing, but I, I think it was more so just because of my, um, first of all, like my, the way my mother, you know, cooked and, and brought me other things that she cooked and put on the plate as well, but then just me kind of being finicky about some of the things I eat as well, right? I just didn't eat a whole lot of things um, growing up, so it kind of translated well for me years later um, deciding to um, to be a vegetarian first, trying that out, and then um, you know eventually uh, you know being um, what I call a would be vegan, um, and that's just simply because um, I will consume uh, bee honey produced by bees. So vegans don't you know consume any animal byproduct, but you know, other than that, I don't. I, don't, I would I would call myself a vegan, but um, um, I don't I don't consume. Uh, I mean I, I will consume honey, so I. Now I'm the would be vegan. Which I, uh, <laughs> you know, my wife coined, uh, you know, all ourselves. But I wish I had learned this um, when I was an athlete. I think, you know, my knee injuries would have uh, been less um, severe as far as, you know, I was always having the ice before practice, after practice, sometimes during practice, having that uh, big boot, the air pressure boot on my leg. Um, you know, walking around with, with a swollen leg, not just my knee, my leg was swollen pretty much the whole time. I, I just I love, that's just how much I wanted to play and how much I love. A lot of people just thought I, I couldn't do it because, oh man, you had, you know, seven surgeries, I would have quit after the first. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, but I've had three uh, ACL uh, surgeries um, and the rest of them were just, you know, scope, you know, surgery. But if my health, if I ate the way, uh, I did then, I mean, if I ate the way I do now, then, then there wouldn't have been as much um, fluid inside the knee, you know, um, you know, the swelling, the pressure, the mucus, that sort of thing, the recovery would have been a lot faster. I think I would have been a much more of a, <laughs> a beast of an athlete, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, you know, do your, do your self-education, do your research uh, on how important nutrition is. I'm not saying for people to uh, necessarily go vegan and quit eating meat. Just do your research um, on putting premium things in your body, things you can do, um, include 
um, making sure the seasonings that you use. That's one of the big things. Don't have the, the chemical additive, the anti-caking agent, mm. you know that stuff. Um, making sure you, you drink um, water that has that doesn't have additives in it. Definitely, you know, I don't I don't drink the, the water out of the, the tap unless I absolutely have to. Other than that, I try to drink a high quality spring water, um, which um, I like to travel up to the Hilly Springs. Um, which I actually just did that for the first time, but man, um, I, that's that's gonna be my go-to um, as far as for fresh spring water, um, black beer. But yeah, nutrition is definitely something that um, I think if you focus on nutrition, my brother, I finally got him after years of being a professional athlete. He went vegan at I think age uh, 32 or 33. And um, those were like some of the most uh, uh, painless years of his career. He was getting a new injury every year until he changed his diet. But um, it's not necessarily about, like I said, going vegan. It's just about, um, you know, including healthier choices, eating more more, um, fresh things, um, and um, eating more foods uh, that don't have a lot of the chemical additives or preservatives. Just trying to eat fresher. That's all. And, and in closing, man, um, what's your message um, to an athlete? Up. I don't know if you can hear me, but yeah, I said, what's your, up, I, I said, what's your message to an athlete that kind of mirrors your situation? You know what I mean? That that <clears throat> that has some some turbulence in life, got into a couple of runnings, and still trying to make it because you got to realize seven surgeries turbulence like that's just hot determination bro you built different you know what i'm saying everybody don't have that percentage in them to make them go like that you know what i mean so you know people might stop after the second surgery you know what what, what kind of what what message you got for people that's listening to this that listen right now and i got got jammed up last week you know what i mean that they need to hear something you know what's what's your mess what, what is your message to them I mean, like, I really want people to, like, you know, know that I really, you know, what I experienced in regard to my choices and, and what the, you know, the system gave me in return, they were because of me. I did that. There's nobody to blame. And it's like, yeah, you know, going through struggle, um, there are ways that you can look at it in every situation if you make it out alive to, to, have a positive um, outlook on it, you know, but it's not necessary that we fall and bump our heads every time. We can listen to our parents sometimes, mm. you know, we can, we can, we can listen to loved ones, you know, warning us sometimes. So just because I'm saying you can be empowered by your mistakes, I'm not saying go out there and just make mistakes galore. Mm. See what I'm saying? Sometimes you can gain wisdom just by listening and mm. doing what the wise do, you know? So even though the struggle and the pain is necessary for our success at the end of the day be wise for sure. be wise and learn from somebody else's mistakes if you can for you sure. know if you can so you know that's why that's what i have to say you know at the end of the day it's not over if you're still living and you're still breathing and your mind still works you're in control for sure. you're in control you know you now all you have to do is change your time preference because mm-hmm. we want things to happen immediately you know, if I if I would have sat back and just studied Bitcoin in 2017 instead of rushing in the market, losing my money, if I just sat back and studied it, when it came back around, 
because the price went all the way up to twenty thousand dollars from twenty three hundred when I saw it initially, wow. all the way up to twenty thousand dollars, and it came back down to three thousand dollars or thirty two hundred. So if I had studied and saved my money for those four years, so we just we just have to change our time preference. That's all, you know. And so don't look at something as a, as a as a failure if you haven't given it time, if you haven't put in the time, you know. So. For just sure. change our time, present preference. Always have a positive outlook. Nothing is negative to me anymore, man. If I stub my toe, I I always say it was necessary for my necessary for my success. So, hey, I was able to. Hey, I'm tough enough to, to make it through it. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Whatever happens, anything negative, anything negative, you can say. You know what it was necessary for my success you know and don't just say it find find how it, it made you stronger find how it made you even better you know think of a way to, to to look at it and um it just empower you man you like to only empower you man <clears throat> for sure you know all right man that was you know a, a good interview and i appreciate your time appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I'm pretty sure the audience and everybody listening gonna, you know, <clears throat> your family are gonna gonna hear that part that you know they haven't heard before. So I appreciate you coming on and, and thank you for being part of the podcast, big guy. Well, hey man, I know you're doing big things. Um you've always had your hand in the mix of some stuff, man. And I and I and I'm I'm glad I'm still on your radar, brother. That's all, you know, and um I'm I'm glad you had me on and any way I can help you uh, you know bring any any light to any young people that you're involved with. I know you're doing a lot of things in the community still. I'm here, man. And you'll definitely you'll definitely uh you know see me doing some things um you know here soon. For sure. All right man have a good day man we'll talk to you soon. Thank you brother peace and bliss. For sure. Peace. So there it goes guys another one in the books. Um wanna thank uh King for coming on and and talking about his life of student athlete, um, his trials and tribulations, and then, you know, how to how to create uh, major avenues out of those situations. So we thank you for that. Uh, coming up next, we got Coach Jim Yarborough um, that coached me at the college. Learned a lot from coaches on the the preparation of the game. We talked, had extensive conversation on the preparation of the uh, of the of the athlete the new athlete coming that's coming today so a lot to talk about all right we'll be right back what Jermel is doing with today foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes first of all getting them prepared from the academic standpoint which as you know as well as I do Bobby that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy to be able to train properly to get the proper education and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college but i love what jermel is doing it's a wonderful program hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of a youth the future of this country is in our youth and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful and and i can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people
You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. New York City.